Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. Thoughts and comments expressed here are the opinions of Chad and Lou, and not necessarily those of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. Caution, this show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 36 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever the heck we want to talk about. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and alongside me is Chad Knight. My brother from another mother. This week we'll be talking about something that almost all of us have in common. We may not agree or get along with them at times, but in the end, love them or hate them, in good times or bad, they're always there to fall back on and stand by your side. Of course, we're talking about family. Chad and I are going to touch on bands or musical acts that are comprised of family members. Siblings, cousins, aunts or uncles, they all count. We won't, however, be talking about married into families, so husband and wife acts like the Captain and Tennille or the White Stripes will not be on our list. I gotta say, I don't know about you, Chad, but I was surprised at how many family acts there were out there. Yeah, and actually some of them I had no clue. I didn't either, so this was actually pretty entertaining. So I think it's about time for us to sit back and relax while me and my brother from another mother get this show started. That's why you laughed, because I said Because I had the same damn thing written there, so... So we're going to start off actually with our trivia question. All right, I'm ready. I'm two for two, man. Yes, you are. Two for two. Let's see if we can go three. (sighs) Feeling good. All right. Steve Vai. Oh, I'm out. (laughs) Besides being a master guitarist, is also an avid apiarist. Apiarist. Yes, apiarist. What is he? Or what does he do? Hmm. Let me think on that. You're probably going to need to. So... Let's get started. I'm going to say, let's go with you first today. All right. So I'm going to start off with one of those bands that break my standard rule. Does anybody that has listened to this podcast know that I usually say something to the effect of, there's no good music after 1993? Fair enough. Okay. This band, I have to disagree with, with my own ruling here, but My Chemical Romance was an American rock band from Newark, New Jersey, active from 2001 to 2013. The band's best-known lineup consisted of lead vocalist Gerard Way, guitarist Ray Toro, and Frank Iero, bassist Mikey Way, and drummer Bob Breyer. Founded by Gerard, Mikey, Toro, Matt Pellissier, and later joined by Iero, the band signed to Eyeball Records and released their debut album, I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love, in 2002. They signed with Reprise Records the next year and released their major label debut, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge in 2004. A commercial success, the album was awarded platinum status over a year later. The band eclipsed their previous success with their 2006 concept album, The Black Parade, which gained generally favorable reviews among music critics and was certified double platinum in the United Kingdom, the band's first and only double platinum album. Let's listen to a bit of Welcome to the Black Parade.
After the departure of longtime drummer Bob Breyer in March 2010, the band released their fourth studio album, Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, in November that same year, to positive reviews. After the addition of touring keyboardist James DeWeese in 2012 and the release of Conventional Weapons, a series of singles recorded in 2009, released over the course of five months, the band announced its breakup on March 22, 2013 one month after the final release in the Conventional Weapons series. After the band split, a greatest uh, hits album entitled May Death Never Stop You was released in March 2014. A 10th anniversary issue of the Black Parade was released in September 2016 titled The Black Parade Living with Ghosts. A band of brothers that made great music, and I wish they would reform and tour. This is a band I'd like to see in concert. I know this breaks my rule, like I said before, that no good music was made after 1993, but fuck it. I like it. You know, first of all, I have to, your next song, depending on what order you go in, might also break that rule. Just saying. I, actually, quite a few of them on here break that rule. <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I had never heard this song before. Really? I don't listen to Top 40. Yeah, but My Chemical Romance was not a whole lot of top 40. But it wasn't on the rock stations. It wasn't a classic rock song either, which is why I didn't listen to this. And so that was my reminder. I think I love the song. Yeah, it is. Actually, the marching band song reeled me in. And once I was there at about maybe minute 45, minute 50 or so, it dug its claws in and I was I was there. The nice thing is, you know, I found out about My Chemical Romance when they released the Black Parade, which mm-hmm. was their third album. Right. And I really dug that song and a few others on that on that album, and I'm like, okay, this is this is really kind of cool. And then I found their um, their Danger Days, and I enjoyed that album as well. And the earlier stuff, though not as good in my estimation, was still good. Mm-hmm. And then when they released uh, May Death Never Stop You, I was like, I need that. <laughs> And then they did this tease in 2016 when they did their their 10th anniversary uh, oh, the reissue t- of the reissue, Black Parade. Okay, yeah. They did this whole thing on their website, and everybody thought they were gonna do like this tour to go with it and all this stuff. For you. Yes, exactly. I was I was kind of pissed because I'm like, I even had said to my uh, my oldest daughter, who was also a big fan of My Chemical Romance, I'm like, if they tour anywhere near us. We're going. Wasn't one of Molly's songs uh, uh, My Chemical Song? Yeah, she enjoys it as well. But not at that point, she wasn't really into them. Mm. Because at that point, she was into anything that Emma wasn't. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. You know? Sisters, imagine that. Yeah, exactly. So Emma and I were like, they do anything, we're going. That's cool. But then they're like, they came out like a week later, and they're like, no, 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 we're not touring. We're just releasing this reissue. Don't get the wrong idea. It's just a reissue. Do you have their greatest hits? Yeah, they're, that's their May Death Never Stop You. That might be something. They might be a greatest hits band for me. I mean, if I like enough off the greatest hits, I might look into some of their B-sides B or deep cuts. But um, I'm not a huge, huge fan, but I like the song. Well, I can borrow it to you. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea. I might so. look into lending that. All right, so with that said, what do you have for us? My first one I'm going to go with is Come With Me Now by Congos. All right. Now... South African singer-songwriter John Congos bore the world the brothers Congos, Johnny, Jesse, Daniel, and Dylan. Okay, let me pause for a second. I know a lot of people do this. They have multiple children, and they either put them all with the same letter of their name, or else they do doubles. Like in this case, they did two J's and two D's. Uh If mom is mad, or dad's mad, but mostly it's mom, how many times are they going to stammer and get out the wrong name? Like, you! (laughs) You! 
Oh yeah. You know, my we had a boy, my me, my brother, or me and my sister. We had two separate names. There's no way that we'd get it wrong. But I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, my mother had three boys. Mm-hmm. I thought for years my name was Lee Chad Joel. <laughs> because she didn't fuck around. She was just like, boom. You know who I'm talking to. That's that's exactly it. But anyways, moving on. The four grew up in London and South Africa, finally moving to Arizona, of all places, where they went to Chaparral High and all went to ASU. They've recorded three albums, Congos, Lunatic, and Egomaniac, since their formation in 2007. And December 15th of 2012, this song came out. And then again in February 7th of 2014, so they released it a couple years later, not sure why twice. Let's take a quick listen. Afraid this moves control and caught up in this world. I've wasted time, I've wasted breath. I think I thought myself to death. I was born without this fear. Now only this seems clear. I need to move, I need to fight, I need to lose myself tonight. Now, they're still touring today with their unique style of alt-hard rock. Um, I personally heard this kind of on the radio, partially because uh, the wife listens to more modern top 40-ish type stuff, and also because it was used from a commercial for the Borderlands, the pre-sequel video game. They're a really young band. I mean, they they started in 2007, so they're not even 10 years old yet. No, I guess they are exactly 10 years yeah, old. Yeah. So there's really just not a whole lot to say about them. I really dug this song, though. You know, I enjoyed the song as well. Uh, these brothers put together an interesting lineup of guitars, drums, and accordion. Yep. You can't go wrong with accordion. You know, I think the song is really catchy. And I'm going to look into this group a little bit more in mm-hmm. the future because, you know, when I first saw it and I was watching the video with it, I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Because this is girl just putting on lip gloss like over and over and over. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he does this every episode. He picks one song that's just like fucking out there somewhere. But... I was wrong. I, I really, really enjoyed this. And so I say again, fooled you. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right, what do you got for number two? Uh, I'm going to go with your friends and mine, the Coors. Or the so, Coors. Okay. They're, the Coors, I'd be okay with that. I See, I don't like Coors, but I do like Coors. My dad used to say, he imparted a saying upon me, and that's, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> well, okay. If there's free beer, if it's Coors, okay. Maybe if it's Coors Light, because Coors Heavy is shit. They, call, Coors, it, they Coors, call it Banquet, and I think, no, it's not Banquet. Coors in general, I'm not a fan, but I will drink a free Coors. I will not. I refuse to drink Miller Lite. Really? Really. Can't stand it. Of all the ones to pick, you say Miller Lite? Yeah. I don't like any Miller product. Okay. You know, they have changed their formula. Um, because I know my, my dad used to drink Miller almost exclusively, and then all of a sudden they, he got headaches, I think, from it. And my dad used so to drink switched, Miller So he switched to Jack and Coke. He used to drink, um, what was it, High Life, the black label one? Oh, Genuine Draft. Genuine Draft. And that was what he always drank, and then all of a sudden it changed, and now he drinks Blanche. You know, and I like Gen- Genuine Draft. In fact, I got some of that in my fridge right now. I like Genuine Draft light, actually. I thought it had a really, really good flavor. and But you can't, I don't think they make light anymore, but... Honestly, mm. go back to High Life. I really enjoy High Life. I, I feel about Bud products the way that you feel about Miller products. See, and I'll drink a Bud Light. Um, Bud Light is fucking water. I can't drink that stuff. I actually prefer the Platinum, okay, which is the still metal, a Bud the metal Light. Bottle stuff, yeah, the metal bottle stuff. It, it's it's still a light, but it's not it's not as watered down as standard Bud Light. 
Well, you know, or we could just say the hell with it and get old style. Or uh, how about uh, let's see, how about bush light? Bush light's not, not bad. Not for me, man. But anyway, let's let's move on here. All right, the Coors. The Coors are an Irish band that combined pop rock with traditional Irish themes within their music. The group consists of the Coors siblings: Andrea, Sharon, Caroline, and Jim. They are from Dundalk County, Louth, Ireland. If I mispronounce that, anybody from Ireland that's listening, I'm sorry. Uh, let's listen to one of my favorite songs by the Coors, or the Coors, Runaway. The Coors have released six studio albums and numerous singles, which have reached platinum in many countries, and have sold 40 million albums worldwide. Holy shit. Talk on Corners, their most successful album to date, reached multi-platinum status in Australia and in the UK, and it was the highest-selling album of 1998. The band is one of only a handful of acts who have held the top two positions simultaneously in the UK album charts, with Talk on Corners at number one and Forgiven, Not Forgotten at number two. The latter was the third highest selling album in Australia in 1996, behind Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill and Celine Dion's Falling Into You. Their third studio album, In Blue, went to number one in 17 countries. Wow. Now this band, they took a hiatus of, I want to say over 10 years, but in late 2016, they announced a new album. Okay. Because they all went and had families. And now the kids are probably old enough that... They're playing with the band. There could be. <laughs> I mean, this song, Runaway, is just one of those... I don't even know how to put it. it it's not in my normal repertoire of type of music. The chords in general, are right. not my... But my wife got me into this band. Because mm-hmm. she started listening to it, and I really... And that song, the Runaway, just... It's just a love song. I mean, it's just a standard love song, but it, I have to say that I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the vocal mixings of of this family group. And I think, you know, you could argue that maybe their, their, their playing ability isn't the best in the world. I mean, there's times when it seems a little clunky and that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. it's made up for in the vocals, in my opinion. Right. Now, I just remember, I think, didn't they do a song called Leave Me Breathless, I think, or something? Yeah, probably. That was the one that I remember, and they play that to death on the radio. While this, as as yourself, this really isn't my style of music, um, I can't say anything bad about it. I really literally cannot. Um, I love the vocal harmonies. Just, just they're great. The use of a tin whistle in this song. Okay. I, um, I, that, that, to me, I'm like, you don't hear tin whistles, you know, and, and I... I don't even know what a tin whistle is. I was going to say, and the, the instruments, they just complement it. I have to say, though, more songs need to include fiddles. Yeah. Just saying. I have no problem with that. You know, and I guess I guess just the unusual instruments, uh, the fiddle, the accordion, um, what was the last one that you had on there? That uh, Bagpipes, that's another one. That, yeah. I mean, more songs need to include those. You know, and actually, we're going to do an episode on that kind of stuff with untraditional... Non-traditional yeah. instruments? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. I mean, that'll be coming up down the road somewhere, but it, it's definitely a way to look because there are a lot of them out there. I mean, I got to find a song that has a didgeridoo in it because who doesn't love to hear the didgeridoo? You know what? 
I just thought of a song that I'm going to want to have to put. And you actually mentioned the artist in the last one or the one before, Rolf Harris. Okay. Tie Me Kangaroo Down. <laughs> <laughs> yes! That would be a perfect one. But anyway, so what do you got next? All right, next we're going to go a lot harder. We're going to go Feed the Machine by Nickelback. Okay. Now, as anybody who knows us, we are not haters of the Nickelback. Not at all. Is this the song that just recently you played? Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the song was released in 2017. It was on their newest album. Nickelback is a Canadian band that formed as a cover band in the early 90s. Originally called Village Idiots, it included Chad, Mike, and Brandon Kroger and Ryan Peake. In 95, they changed to Nickelback, which originated from the change that Mike gave his customers while working at Starbucks, as in, here's your Nickelback. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Brandon left, Mitch Gindon came and went, and then in 98, Ryan Vickdell joined, creating their initial lineup, brothers Chad and Mike Kroger, lead guitar, vocals, and bass, respectively. Ryan Peake on guitar, keyboard, backing vocals, and drummer Ryan Vickadal. How would you like to be that brother that's like, ah, this ain't going anywhere? Yeah. It's like, you guys are never going anywhere. You suck. And um, now they're Nickelback. <laughs> exactly. In 2005, they brought in Three Doors Down drummer Daniel Adair to replace Vickadel, and that's where they've been ever since. Nickelback has the distinction of being one of the most successful Canadian bands, selling more than 50 million records worldwide. They're also the second best-selling foreign act in the U.S. behind the Beatles, which is pretty damn amazing considering how many people say that they hate them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think people just say that in a lot of cases because everybody says that. I think I had I had something about that, actually. Okay. Um, now, they've been touring ever since inception and have released nine studio albums, the most recent being Feed the Machine in June of this year. And that's where this particular song comes off. We'll take a listen to right now. Now, I have to say without a doubt, holy shit, this song rocks. It's all about Big Brother and the absolute power that they have over ordinary people, and it almost gives me a bit of a Terminator versus Human Resistance vibe. Accordingly, they went back to their original rocking instead of what critics called formulaic music. I don't know about all that, but wow, man. I've never been a hater and have stuck with them ever since I first heard them. In fact, I kind of wonder if people hate them because either A, they're jealous of their popularity, or B, because they don't actually hate them since everyone else does, finger quotes. They just say that, that they hate them to be accepted. Uh, musical peer pressure and all that. Well, screw that. I don't care if people think badly of me and my musical choices or not. I happen to like Nickelback, and the song is awesome. On a personal note on this one here, I've seen a lot of fair acts, which I'm sure you have as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Many, if not all of them, weren't mainstream big acts. In 2004, Nickelback, who was the third act on a bill preceded by Finger 11 and Puddle of Mud, was my first real concert at the Iowa State Fair. Okay. It, it opened my I eyes. I like Puddle to, of Mud as well. That was a fun concert. Yeah, uh, I can the, imagine. The audience sang along to the She Hate Me song, and that was pretty hilarious. Uh, it opened my eyes to seeing live, loud and live music, and I've never looked back. So what do you think about Feed the Machine? Again, a group with brothers. The song is very heavy for Nickelback. Because Nickelback, though they're um, a rock band, they're not usually this heavy. I really do enjoy this music, though. Like you said, I really enjoy Nickelback. 
I think we can safely say that the family in this case works well together. I actually hope someday to see Nickelback in concert. There, I said it. I like Nickelback. Nickelback? Nickelback. Nickelback. I like them enough to say that I'd pay money to see them. So, I mean, the song it was amazing. I thought for Nickelback to put something that heavy down, I can't say anything bad about it. I really enjoyed it. In fact, while I was writing stuff up, I listened to it twice. Nice. <laughs> I, if I get a chance to see him, I would pay to see him. It was the first time I actually won tickets to the radio station. It was broadcasting right outside the grandstand. Uh-huh. And they were like 30 buck tickets each, so I got two free tickets to get in for nice whatever. But, but I yeah. would absolutely pay to see him. Well, maybe that's maybe that's one we put on our on our trip calendar. We find a Nickelback concert and we go. Yeah, maybe they'll be playing in Green Bay or something. Could be. Or Madison, Milwaukee, whatever. I mean. Yeah, anything in the nice thing about where we're located in the state of Wisconsin is we're basically three hours from anywhere. Hell, the cities even. That's only three hours. Three right? hours to the cities, yeah. So what do you got next? All right, so I'm gonna go with a band that's not really my forte for the most part, but Good Charlotte. Is an American rock band from Waldorf, Maryland that formed in 1996. Since 1998, the band's constant members have been lead vocalist Joel Madden, lead guitarist and backing vocalist Benji Madden, bassist Paul Thomas, rhythm guitarist and keyboardist Billy Martin. Well, drummer Dean Butterworth has been a member of the band since 2005. After a four-year hiatus, the band announced its comeback on November 3, 2015. The band has released six studio albums, Good Charlotte, The Young and the Hopeless, the Chronicles of Life and Death, Good Morning Revival, Cardiology, and Youth Authority, as well as two compilations, Greatest Remixes and Greatest Hits. Let's listen to this song, Anthem. So Good Charlotte has been mainly described as a pop-punk band. The band also has been described as alternative rock, pop rock, punk rock, skate punk, emo pop, post-grunge, and emo. Anything you left out there? Um, I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers them all. <laughs> so according to writer Bruce Britt, Good Charlotte combine the hard-charging fury of skate punk, the melodiousness of pop, and the spooky mascara-smeared sensibility of 80s goth. According to program director Robert Benjamin, Benji Madden told him Good Charlotte wanted to be a combination of the Backstreet Boys and Minor Threat. Good Charlotte cites Beastie Boys, Minor Threat, The Clash, The Sex Pistols, Rancid, and Green Day as their influences. Now, like I said, I'm not a huge Good Charlotte fan. I like this song. It's just a fun song about skating for the most part. I mean, if you watch the video... there's there's no big hidden message in this song. It's no, just a really. fun anthem, you know. So I don't know what what do you think of Good Charlotte and the whole uh, the whole ball of wax here. Good Charlotte to me is kind of like Green Day light. It's not okay. as hard or heavy as the punk aspect of like Green Day is, but they still have that punk edge. So it's kind of like kind of weaning yourself into this type of music. That would be a good place to start. Well, you know, but they, they, they say things like Green Day as an influence, Sex Pistols as an influence, mm-hmm. and I can see that. They're I, not as heavy as the Pistols, obviously. Oh, God, no. They're not 
they're not even as heavy as Green Day can get. No, and you know it's it's pop punk style for the mainstream, which basically means it's almost guaranteed radio play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was never a huge Good Charlotte fan. Um, I have a ton of them because I listened to the stuff from my former roommate's CD binders. Okay. The song kind of grew on me. I might have to give him more of a chance, I think. All right, fair enough. So what do you got coming up? All right, up next we've got Up Around the Bend by Little CCR. Credence Clearwater. Absolutely. Now, Credence Clearwater or CCR, which I'll probably be doing for the rest of it because it's a hell of a lot easier than trying to say that whole thing over and over again is a classic rock band that formed in 1967 of lead guitar and vocalist and primary songwriter John Fogarty, his brother Tom on rhythm, Stu Cook on bass, and Doug Clifford on drums. Their style was considered swamp rock that focused many times on locales in the region like catfish and bayous, as well as lyrics that were considered socially conscious about topics. So they were swamp rock. Because I was going to ask you, because everything I saw said they were... Just a rock band. But to mm. me, they have a definite southern right. flavor it's, to it. It's, it's an offshoot of southern rock that they considered like the, the bayou rock or swamp rock. Okay, okay. They started off as the Blue Velvets, which changed by the record label to the Gollywogs. They went from Blue Velvet to the Gollywogs, yeah. and this was the idea of the people who were supposedly pushing them? You know, and it's just like the, the running thing that I have is the more letters you have behind your name, like PhD and so on and so forth, the less common sense you have. Oh, at- <laughs> so I think that's what happened here. Fogarty and Clifford were drafted in 1966. So they enlisted in the reserves, which put a hold on the band in 67. They were offered a contract to record as long as they changed their name. Thank fucking God for that. Right. And CCR was born. Tom's friend Credence Newball gave him the Credence. A TV commercial for Olympia Beer gave him Clearwater. Okay. That's that's where it came from. They renewed their commitment to the band, and that's why they came up with Revival. They enjoyed their peak of success that went up through the 70s. Initially, though, there was a bit of a shitstorm brewing, which if you know any history about Fogarty... I don't. Let's see here. John became incessantly controlling, much to the dismay of the rest of the band. Tom thought it should be a democracy, and John basically said, no. You do what I want to do, or that's it. But and that makes sense. I mean, some bands work that way. Bon Jovi is a perfect example of that. John is the in boss. charge. He is the boss. They work for him. You do it his way, or as you have seen in the past, you go away. And John thought it would hurt their success to be a democracy. So, And another issue that irked him was John's decision at a 1970 Nebraska's concert that they would no longer give encores. Really? So apparently John was anti-encore so finally tom in late 70 tom said you as a kid brother you're a control freak and left john decided to try to be more democratic in his own way which didn't work with the remaining members in 72 they released their final album which was a critical failure but still went gold because you have your following true but it's just you know and in october of 72 they broke up for good Uh, tom fogarty continued to record and perform before passing away in 1990 stew and doug would later create Credence Clearwater Revisited in 1995, which I've seen, um, and changed their name to Cosmos Factory in 97 due to a Fogarty court injunction, and then back to Credence Clearwater Revisited when the courts found in Cook and Clifford's favor. John Fogarty did some solo work and still tours playing solo and CCR material. Despite having a seriously dysfunctional family band, Credence in all forms is a stable of classic rock, including Up Around the Bend, which we'll take a listen to here.
Fogarty's booming voice, along with the band's vocal harmonies and instrumental work, just work perfectly on this song. I mean, there's very little, I mean, when you listen to anything on their catalog, you know who the artist is. I mean, it's, it's very formulaic as far as you say, what is this band? It's CCR. It's just what it is what mm -hmm. it is. And I honestly can't say I've really heard very much bad stuff by them. No, I would agree. I mean, what can a person say about CCR? I mean, really, what can you say about them that A, hasn't been said, and B, isn't just blowing smoke up their ass because they're exactly. amazing right you know like i said i consider them southern rock but i guess you know swamp rock whatever i like this song it's just a fun little song about just catching the wind and going i mean letting the wind show you where to go next i certainly can't say i don't like this song or ccr for that matter i mean anything you know it's one of those bands where grab an album throw it on doesn't matter you're gonna find something that's good Absolutely. Now, is their is their catalog a hundred percent good? Probably not. No, probably. But have I listened to their whole catalog? No. You know, maybe those B cuts or the B sides and deep cuts we'll get into some other time. But right now, I'm going to say as a general rule, and you can agree or disagree, they're a great band. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. So you know, it's just one of those bands that grew up with. My dad was a fan of CCR. I really can't say much bad about it. So. You know, and, and they they put their music out everywhere, too. I mean, I know Fogarty, on his solo, he did Centerfield, which was has that baseball song that if you've been to any baseball games, usually they'll have that cracking of the bat sound effect. Right. Um, I know Wasa Timbers used to do that. Yeah. And, like, if you've seen Forrest Gump, one of the one of Tom Hanks' greater movies, this is part of the, the, the Vietnam scene. They play yeah. Fortunate Son because that's pretty much equivocal with that particular. Yeah, driver. absolutely. So. So what do you got next? I'm going to go with a little Ace of Bass. Nice choice. Now, I, I, I knew you'd like this because last week you mentioned that you kind of like Ace of Bass. Mm -hmm. So Ace of Bass was a Swedish pop group originally consisting of Ulf, Buda, Ekberg, and three siblings, Jonas, Joker, Bergenen, Molly, Lynn, and Jenny. I'm not going to say the last name anymore. Just I know. The fact it's like Olf they all have, they all have Olf, this. Orf and Jorgen, Pjorgen, whatever, and Jenny. And Jenny. <laughs> the group released four studio albums between 1992 and 2002, which sold more than 30 million copies worldwide, making it the third most successful Swedish band of all time. Can you name the other two? Uh, ABBA is yep. probably one of them. And Swedish band? Yep. Do I know this band? You will when I say it. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Roxette. Oh, they're Swedish? Yeah. I huh. didn't know that either. Let's see if you can hear the sign. So Happy Nation, also called The Sign, is one of the best-selling debut albums of all time and was certified nine times platinum in the United States. Nicely done. Nine times. That is huge. <laughs> it's like Ferris Bueller. Nine times. <laughs> it was the first debut album to produce three number one singles on the Billboard Mainstream Top 40 chart. All That She Wants, The Sign, and Don't Turn Around. I like all those songs. But The Sign... You know, it was just one of those fun songs. It was about 
seeing something in your life that makes you happy. And that's all it really was. I saw the sign. It opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. And it made me happy or something like that. I don't remember the exact <laughs> words. But so, you know, what? tell us tell us about your thoughts on Ace of Base. I, I appreciate them. They, they got played to death on the radio. Um, they did. The Swedes, as I wrote, the Swedes were all over the radio in the late 93 and early 94 between this song, All That She Wants, and Don't Turn Around, which you had mentioned just now. this The sign was the happiest of the three. It's solid 90s pop. I mean, there's yeah. really nothing else you can say about it. I enjoy it. Um, their second, I think it's their se- either second or third album, the one that has that Lucky Love song on it, I enjoy as well. I have to say, though, this one is a, a better album and just an overall fun song. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, take us into your next one. All right, next we're going to go with a little uh, STP. Nice, not, nice, nice, nice. Not the fuel additive, but... Uh, yeah, the, Stone the Stone Temple, Temple Pilots. Pilots. There yeah. you go. I, I knew what you were talking about. I didn't realize you <laughs> wanted me to say it. Well, it's if you did, you did. If you didn't, then they would draw their own conclusions, I guess. That that I'm an idiot and I don't know what Stone Temple Pilots is. I did not say that. Ladies and gentlemen, did I say that? No, I did not. He freely admitted it, though. So, no, I keyed, I keyed. All right, so tell us so, about it. Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots, 1994. Now, the band itself, Stone Temple Pilots, formed in 1985, taking the name Mighty Joe Young. After being informed that a blues artist already had that name, and being inspired by STP Motor Oil logo that they seem to all be about, they decided to take those letters and run with it, eventually settling on Stone Temple Pilots or STP. It initially consisted of Scott Weiland on lead vocals, brothers Dean and Robert DeLeo on guitar and bass backing vocals, respectively, and Eric Kretz on drums. Initially, they played grunge and hard rock, progressing to alternate rock and metal as the years rolled on. Scott Weiland had a well-documented medical and drug issue that they still kept with them until they separated in 2002 to do other projects, one of which being Velvet Revolver which Chad is familiar with. I am. I'm quite familiar with Velvet Revolver, and uh, I I talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, they got back together in 2008 for a reunion tour, but in 2013, Scott Weiland was fired and replaced by Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, who recently passed away, I believe, Mm -hmm. and who left in 2015 to focus on Lincoln Park. Scott was found dead on his tour bus in 2015, which put a hold on future releases of material. However, at present time, the band is still looking for a a new lead singer. Let's take a listen to the Interstate Love Song. Now, I wasn't a huge STP fan when they first were new, but as my taste broadened and it wasn't forced down my throat by top 40 stations, I've started to come around, and I've actually started to like more of their back catalog. I can't say I'm a diehard fan, but they do have good music, this being one of my favorite songs of theirs that's just a really good rock song that doesn't need an explanation. Yeah, you know, it's... I've always been a fan of STP. That was one of the bands that I really... when I When I learned of them, which would have been closer to that 90... 192 era so they've been around for a while already by the time i heard of them mm-hmm. it's just too bad scott Willie wyland couldn't keep his shit together i mean he had real talent he had a voice 
that I thought fit the genre of music they were doing perfectly. And, you know, there are brothers in this group, and even though it always looked like they had issues internally, even from the outside looking in... They played nice. They played nice, yeah. So Wyland would later, like you said, join Velvet Revolver along with basically all the guys from Guns N' Roses that Axel had kicked out. So that would be what, Slash? It was uh, Slash and uh, uh, Sorum... No, not Sorum. Um, Izzy? Izzy. No. Okay. Yeah, it was Slash, Izzy... Duff? Duff, thank you. Those three. Because Matt was a drummer, wasn't it? Yeah, Matt Sorum was a drummer, but that's not who they had in Velvet Revolver. Uh, but anyway, so they, they've made this super group, which they put out two albums, and like you said, they're still looking for a new a new uh, vocalist, but I, I doubt Velvet Revolver will ever come around again. I, I think out of memory they probably wouldn't, especially considering that at one time they had Linkin Park's guy who, who died, and then at another time they had another lead singer, Scott who died. Lyon, who died. It's a cursed position. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to look it at it that way. It feels that way, but you know, it's funny because most of the guys in Velvet Revolver are now back in Guns N' Roses. Because they're doing this whole reunion tour thing with everybody but Izzy. He went solo, didn't he, though? He did. Well, I think they've all, all members done, have done Yeah, they all have stuff. done some stuff. But, you know, but this song, Interstate Love Song, is, it's fun. It's a high-energy song that just kind of makes your feet tap and your shoulders sway, you know, doing that whole white boy dance thing. Yeah, oh yeah. So, I mean, this is just very good music. And I think a lot of what STP did was very good music. I would agree. So... So let's uh, let's see what you got next. And up next, I am going to go with Oasis. They were an English rock band that formed in Manchester in 1991. Developed from an earlier group, The Rain, the band originally consisted of Liam Gallagher, Paul Bonehead Arthurs, Paul Ginsey McGinnon, and Tony McCarroll on drums. They were later joined by Liam's older brother, Noel, on uh, lead guitar and vocals as a fifth member. Becoming the band's settled lineup until April 1995. Let's raise a glass of champagne supernova and take a listen. Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where we while we were getting high. Okay, I'm going to take this time right now. My, my lead-ins the last few weeks have been kind of... I'm trying to be more creative, but why don't you guys out there tell us what you think of these? Um, you know, sometimes I just get a little bored saying, well, let's take a listen to... But anyway, I'll move on. As well as singing in Mancunian accents and references to British culture in their lyrics, Oasis were influenced by British guitar bands from the past. They have had eight UK number one singles and eight UK number one albums and won 17 NME Awards, nine Q Awards, four MTV Europe Music Awards, and six Brit Awards, including one in 2007 for Outstanding Contribution to Music and one for the Best Album of the Last 30 Years as voted by BBC Radio 2 listeners. They have been nominated for three Grammy Awards. So so two listeners voted on this one. That's it. Because that's kind of how it seems. If this is the best in 30 years, it must have only been two people they talked to. But, yeah, and it was the it was the Gallagher brothers. Yeah, there you go. As of 2009, Oasis has sold over 70 million records worldwide. The band were listed in the Guinness World Records book in 2010 for longest top 10 UK chart run by a group, after an unprecedented run of 22 top 10 hits in the UK. 
The band also holds the Guinness World Record for being the most successful act in the UK between the years 1995 and 2005, spending 765 weeks in the top 75 singles and albums charts. So you made your little joke about two listeners, but obviously they were well followed, at least in their in their homeland. It seems like it. Now, Oasis for me is hit and miss. They have a few songs I enjoy, Champagne Supernova being one of them, just because it's it's just a nice, easy listening kind of song. You know, I, I enjoy it. It's I, I didn't choose the other song I could have chosen here just because this one got less radio play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, go for the underdog kind of thing. Sure. But what are your thoughts? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Oasis? Uh, I mean, as far as their hijinks in the media, you knew from the very beginning they were doomed to end. I was actually surprised they went as long as they did. But, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, and I just – I used to work maintenance with my dad at St. Mike's on, in Wausau, and WIFC came in everywhere because it's the, one of the biggest local ones, 100,000 watts of power, blah, 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 blah. Right. This song was all over the goddamn radio in, in the 90s. I mean, they play this almost hourly. Yeah. It's got a good rock beat. Oasis has good rock when they want to. Yeah. This, I just think the vocals are whiny. I mean, most of the stuff that I've listened to by Oasis, I mean, it just seems like a poor little rich kid whiny music to me. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like I said, I there's a few songs I enjoy. Their their overall body of work's not my thing. I would and this is where obviously the rest of the world disagrees. I mean, I would put this as a not even a greatest hits album um artist, but a one hit wonder. Like a super single. Yeah, there you go. Or like a maxi single where it has two or three songs made. Yeah, exactly. So that would be what I think of Oasis, but that's just me. Yeah, exactly. So what do you got up for us next? We're going to go with the Dire Straits. I was waiting for us to get to these guys. <laughs> the Dire Straits were an English rock band that formed in 1977, just like myself. Originally, including brothers Knopfler, Mark on lead guitar and vocals, David on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, John Isley on bass, and Pick Withers on drums and percussion. What a cool-ass name, Pick Withers. Yeah. I'd huh. expect him to be a guitarist, actually. They played a bluesy jazz rock fusion when they first started, and they played together and went through a few personnel changes before splitting in 1988 for Mark Knopfler to work on some solo stuff and movie soundtracks. He announced the dissolution of the band in 1990, but then in 1991 resurrected the band, and it was resurrected by Isley and Mark Knopfler alone. After a couple more album releases to tepid commercial success, they split for good in 1995 when Mark decided to focus on his personal solo career. In the end, the only two members of the original band were Mark and John. Let's take a quick listen and make Walk of Life be part of yours. Life is a pretty solid rock song. It's one of many hits off a of Brother in Arms album, which is, for lack of a better way to put it, a very danceable song. It's got a great beat. I love the synth of it, and at just over four minutes, it doesn't wear out. It's welcome. It's one of my favorites of theirs, to be sure, and a couple interesting pieces of trivia about. Per the Guinness Book of World Records, Brothers in Arms was the first CD to sell a million copies, 
and was credited in helping popularize the new digital format so that CDs actually came about. So thank you for that. Also, the Weird Al parody, Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hillbillies, asterisk, actually features Money for Nothing writer Mark Knopfler on guitar and Guy Fletcher on synthesizer, which was Mark Knopfler's one condition on letting Al parody him. Interesting. So the actual guy is on the parody. That's pretty cool. Well, I know that in the video uh, of Weird Al's video, is they, they, there's that one point where it's all done in cartoon, but then the TV kind of turns into view, and you can see the Walk of Life video mm-hmm. on this cartoon TV, which is, I just thought, you know, at the time, now now if you look at that Weird Al cartoon, it was horrible. Well, but at the time, the ability to mix the two was... Well, the thing is, too, is that video was exactly the same as the Money for Nothing video. Right. Which is the computer animation from back in the day, which was like in the early 80s or whatever. And that was groundbreaking. I mean, I guess I didn't. I read some something on it that that video took, you know, hundreds of man hours to get completed. Oh, and I believe cost it. Cost a ton because it was all computer stuff. You look now, and we've got you know digital de aging and things like that that they're doing, and and Pixar stuff, and it's just like it's right. like playing old PC games versus now, you know. Right. So I'm a fan of Dire Straits. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've they have a lot of good songs, and their album Brothers in Arms was a regular in my playlist as a young man. Now, we've all talked about how my first album was Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. My second album that I bought on CD was actually Dire Straits. Very nice. So, this, this song, Walk of Life, was very popular for the band in the mid-'80s. I never really got much into this actual song because it was too poppy for me. I think, you know, and, and the fact that... <laughs> It was played at every middle school dance and at every high school dance, and I always just sat there, and no one would dance with me. It's sad. But it's true. I wasn't always this awesome, but now I'm awesome. We talked about this before. It's like, you know, the ladies didn't want you now, but look at them lining up now. But you can't have them. Yeah, I mean, I'll just finish by saying this. It's an okay song, but it's a great band. I think it's a great band. I'll agree with that, and I think it's it's an excellent song. Well, and that's where our tastes differ slightly. So what do you have next? Up next, I'm actually going to talk about this one. It's the Ramones. Now, this one is kind of a misnomer, as you will see. Technically, none of the original band members were related. The Ramones were an American punk rock band that formed in New York City, neighborhood of Forest Hills, Queens, in 1974. They are often cited as the first band to define the punk rock sound. Despite achieving only limited commercial success, the band was a major influence on the 1970s punk movement in both the United States and the United Kingdom. All of the band members adopted pseudonyms ending with the surname Ramon, although none of them were related. I did not know that. They performed 2,263 concerts, touring virtually nonstop for 22 years. In 1996, after the tour with the Lollapalooza Musical Festival... The band played a farewell concert and disbanded. By 2014, all four of the band's original members, lead singer Joey Ramone, bass guitarist Dee Dee Ramone, guitarist Johnny Ramone, and drummer Tommy Ramone, had died. After all this, I want to be sedated.
Recognition of the band's importance built over the years, and they are now mentioned in many assessments of all-time great rock music, such as number 26 in the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 100 greatest artists of all time, and number 17 in VH1's 100 greatest artists of hard rock. In 2002, the Ramones were ranked the second greatest band of all time by Spin Magazine, trailing only the Beatles. On March 18, 2002, the original four members and Tommy's replacement on drums, Marky Ramone, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2011, the group was awarded a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. The song, I Want to Be Sedated. It's just a fun song. You know, it's just like, I gotta get on the plane. I need to be sedated. I need to, you know, walk through Central Park. I need to be sedated. I thought this was an interesting one because when we, when you initially put together the list of possibles, the Ramones was on there. And I didn't know that they weren't actually related either. Obviously, I didn't either. Right. So it was kind of a fun one. So when I picked the Ramones, I didn't even know it. But when I started doing the research, I'm like, should I change this? And then I'm like, no, because we're not the only ones. No, God, no. In fact, actually, it's almost like telling about Santa Claus. It's like it's just destroying an illusion. Well, here's the funny thing is I went out to try to find the real names. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find them. Really? Yeah. So it was kind of like, now granted, I didn't spend hours digging through trying to find them, but just a quick search, you know, it's always Ramon, Ramon, Ramon. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? You know, and they are considered some of the leaders of the punk movement, the Ramones, they kind of had faces for radio, to be sure. Yeah. Um, they put out some good classic music. Um, if I'm being honest, I really wasn't a huge fan until I played the music on Guitar Hero, which actually this song was on there. It was on one of the lower levels, so it wasn't super hard, but it, uh, it gives you an appreciation for the song itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they have a lot of good stuff. I, personally, one of my favorites is Blitzkrieg Bop. Okay. I enjoy that one. I mean, I Want to Be Sedated is a good moving song. I think they have a few better ones out there, but this is still a pretty decent one. Okay, fair enough. So, with that said, let's go on to some more actually related people. All right, I'm going to have you pick A or B. I'm going to go with A. All right, so A, and this is your choosing, is going to be ACDC. Okay. I didn't, actually, that was unintentional, so that's kind of funny you did it that way. All right, ACDC. You just picked the one you wanted to do anyway. No, because I would have done either one of these as the last one. Okay. ACDC formed out of the brainchild of brothers Malcolm and Angus Young. Their older brother George was a successful musician playing with the Easy Beats in the 1960s, and they wanted to pursue music. The name ACDC came from their sister's sewing machine, actually. It had ACDC on it, which, of course, is I read that the last electrical. night. Yeah, I was kind of... You know... And it's the alternating current, direct current, which if you didn't know, you do now. So there's your information for you today. The Young Brothers felt that the symbol, because it was electrical, could symbolize their raw energy, power-driven performances in their music. In 1973, Angus and Malcolm recruited Larry Von Crete on bass, Dave Evans on vocals, and Colin Burgess on drums. And Larry Von Crete, that is a great name. Yeah, it is. And we're playing glam rock. Yeah, ACDC playing glam rock. Not really. So trying to break into the rock market, they dropped Evans from vocals and picked up Bon Scott. There you go. In 1974, on the recommendation of their brother, George. In 74, they recorded their first studio album, High Voltage, for an Australia-only release with a lineup of Scott, the Young Brothers, Evans on bass, and Phil Rudd on drums. Their second album, TNT, was also released only in that corner of the world, but this time including New Zealand. 
The rest of the world didn't get a chance to experience the hard rocking of ACDC's recorded music until 1974's international release of High Voltage, which was a sort of compilation album with tracks of TNT and High Voltage put together. After rocking for years, Mark Evans was fired <laughs> and replaced, I'm sorry, just saying somebody was fired is comical because I'm a sadistic asshole, and was replaced by Cliff Williams, supposedly because they wanted a bassist who could sing. Okay. They released a few albums with Williams and then tragedy struck when Bon Scott died from acute alcohol poisoning and a pulmonary aspiration of vomit. Just sounds nasty. Which means he passed out, threw up, and then swallowed it. Oh, yeah. Or inhaled it. The band did consider hanging up for good, but soldiered on, looking for a nude nude singer. A nude singer? I don't want to see those guys naked. Looking for a new singer. Especially not Brian Johnson. Oh, God. For an, or Axel, if you want to count nowadays. Well. Looking for a new singer, in which they found in the gravelly screech of Brian Johnson. A few albums later, there was another band member with Phil Rudd having a substance abuse issue, so he was fired and replaced by Simon White until 89 when Chris Slade took over on drums from 89 to 94. They enjoyed moderate success, but were revitalized in 1990 with The Razor's Edge, which spawned multiple hits, including the guitar anthem, Thunderstruck, and working on additional projects, such as the soundtrack for Last Action Hero. Phil Rudd jammed on them for a bit in 94, but then the band asked... And then the band asked Chris Slade to step down because they liked Phil Rudd better. It's kind of harsh, but whatever. In well, 90- when you're trying to make a product, true you enough, want to do with the best you, you want your, You want your best fantasy team you can get. Exactly. Um, multiple albums were released, including remasters of the original material and DVDs. In 2008, they did something relatively uncommon, and that was releasing album, their album Black Ice exclusively at Walmart and Sam's Club. I actually remember when that happened because I saw the Black Ice tour. More shakeups happened in the coming years. Malcolm Young retired due to mental issues and replaced with Angus's nephew, Stevie. Phil Rudd tried to order a hit along with other illegal shit and was fired, so they brought back Chris Slade. Cliff Williams retired in 2016 and was not replaced on bass. Brian Johnson left the band or was fired, depending on who you ask for hearing issues, on, and on April 16th of 2016, a dark day for all ACDC fans, Axel Frickin' Rose joined as lead singer, and they're still touring. I chose the song Fire Your Guns, so why don't we fire it up? Fire Your Guns is pure rock. There's nothing more to say. It's fast-tempoed. It's a solid song that works well to get one's blood pumping and moving. I use it on exercise playlists, actually, which obviously you can see I've got a lot of those, and is one of my all-time favorite you are, songs. You are svelte, man. You are svelte. It's, I am a smelt mother, smelt motherfucker, too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it is one of my favorite songs, being even though it's not one of their mainstream songs. I love this song. It's, again, one of my favorites. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, you know... Angus Young, the heartbeat of ACDC, along with his brother Malcolm, started this. I like the band. I like a lot of their music. Bon Scott and Brian Johnson are amazing vocalists, each, you know, in their own right. Now, I did take the time last night to listen to some ACDC with Axl Rose as the front man. 
and just just so the public knows you are biased because you are a, a, a Guns N' Roses fan. I don't think I'm biased. Actually, I went in there because you had played me that one clip and, where he sounded was, he was, sounded bad. Right. But I took some time and I and I listened to about four songs last night. I know we're going to disagree on this, but I thought he was a very suitable replacement for however temporary it is or was or is going to be. So, let's have it out. I think he's good. Now, he's not as good as Bon or Brian. I'll give you that. But he's good. I disagree. I, I guess I'm just a holdover from the original lineup. I don't ever want to see him retire because that means the end of one of my favorite bands. But at the same time, there's one surviving member left of the mm-hmm. original lineup. Right. Angus, man, you got enough money. You're making money on royalties now that your entire catalog is on iTunes. You're going to continue to get money, especially with kids finding out about Thunderstruck and You Shook Me All Night Long and Back in Black. You're not hurting for money, man. Just hang it up. Yeah, you can say that, but it's not always the money. Sometimes it's just the thrill of being on stage. Oh, and I can understand that. I absolutely can understand that. You know, that. but then I guess there's an argument. If Angus is the only one left, is it truly ACDC anymore? Fair enough, I suppose. You know, something I was thinking when you were talking there. But, no, I get what you're saying, too, but I think Axel does a decent, you know, a, a decent uh, a job of doing what he's supposed to be doing. All right, my last one for today is going to be Hailstorm. Now, I say this one for last because, well, it's Hailstorm. And you said there is no music, good music after the 90s. Oh, so we're going to pull that out now. You've been waiting this whole episode. Because I, you, you, you went in a different order than you had it in there. That's why I wasn't I went sure. in a different order than you gave to me. I didn't give you an order. Oh, I know. So Hailstorm is an American hard rock band from Red Lion, Pennsylvania. I want to be from Red Lion, Pennsylvania. Not because of Hailstorm, just because that's an awesome fucking name. <laughs> Consisting of lead vocalist and guitarist Lizzie Hale, showing her brother, drummer, and percussionist R.J. Hale, guitarist Joe Hottinger, and bassist Josh Smith. The group's self-titled debut album was released on April 28, 2009 through Atlantic Records. Their second album, The Strange Case Of, was released on April 10, 2012. Its lead single, Love Bites, So Do I, from that album, won their first Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Metal Performance on February 10th, 2013. Be prepared for the misery. Let's listen to I Miss the Misery. Hailstorm is well known for their non-stop touring, often performing as many as 250 shows a year. Damn. Since 2006, they have toured with many hard rock and heavy metal acts, including Alterbridge, Chevelle, Seether, Stained, Papa Roach, Trapped, Three Days Grace, Theory of a Dead Man, Buck Cherry, Disturbed, Shinedown, Avenged Sevenfold, Stone Sour, Hell Yeah, Heaven and Hell, Evanescence, The Pretty Reckless, Star Set, Seven Dust and Bullet for My Valentine, Hailstorm appeared on the first annual Rockstar Energy Drink Uproar Festival, and in October 2010, the band traveled to Japan to participate in the Loud Park Festival. <laughs> I love Japanese name things because 
you know, there it's it's probably sounds really cool with mm-hmm. the with the the way they talk, you know, in their language. Right. But then when you translate, it's like Loud Park Festival. Yep. Yep. Hailstorm also appeared on the 2010 Taste of Chaos's our Chaos tour. All right, so Hailstorm. It's a relatively new band for me. Mm-hmm. I know they've been around for a while, but Lizzie Hale's vocals and just the way the band just kind of rocks. I mean, they just there's something about them that every song I listen to, and as I find new stuff and I listen to new stuff, every one of them is just like, I love this and I want more and I want more. And let's be honest, looking at Lizzie Hale. Does not hurt the eyes. This song, I Miss the Misery, it's a great song about, I, you know, it's just this great song about, she's like, I hate, I, I miss all this stuff you used to do to me. Like, and not good stuff, but like the way you'd punch me in the face and you do this and that. I miss all that, but you get the fuck out of here. I don't miss you. Exactly. I don't miss what, I don't miss you. I just miss, miss what you do to me. Right, right. So, but I don't know. It's just one of these groups I, I, I can't see me ever saying anything bad about Hailstorm. And this this breaks a lot of my rules. One, music after 1993. Two, female leads in the heavy metal. <laughs> you know, just all this stuff. And Hailstorm has just been like, you're wrong. And then I also found a band called Epica mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that one of our listeners, Dawn, introduced us to. And same deal. Just mm-hmm. fucking amazing. I'll, I'll take Lizzie over, over Simone any day, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. But well, what are your thoughts on this? Shamefully, I only have their first CD, so I didn't really know much about this song. Um, I did get a chance to listen to it, and as I expected, it rocked. Just like pretty much everything else in their catalog, I'm into it, and not just because Lizzie is fucking hot. Raw. We might think that she's hot. <laughs> Raw, emotional, charged lyrics, the song has it all. It's just a reminder to me that I need more Hailstorm. So Fair enough. Round us up, man. All right, round us off. We're going to go with a little Van Halen. All right. All right, Eddie and Alex originally from Europe because I don't remember what country it was specifically moved to Pasadena, California in 62. Eddie initially played drums and Alex played guitar. And finally Alex started playing drums while Eddie was gone and Eddie's like, fine, if you want to play drums, do it. I'll play guitar. So can you imagine what would have been like otherwise? Yeah, who knows? They picked up uh, David Lee Roth and Michael Anthony joined and they formed band Genesis. They realized that Genesis was already being taken, and it was that Genesis, Peter Gabriel, etc., okay. Phil, Phil Collins. So they switched it to Mammoth, and then later changed it to Van Halen on David Lee Roth's thought, supposedly, because they figured it would be more impactful. Okay. You know, they had, let's see here, their highest their highest album went up to 19 on the Billboard Hot 100, went to Platinum eight months later, and as of now is Diamond, which is 10 million units sold. Just on one album. Which album? Uh, their first. Everybody knows there's a lot of shakeups there. I mean, David Lee Roth was out. Sammy Hagar was in. Hagar was out. Roth was back in. Then Gary Sharon happened. Yeah, Roth was out. Sharon was, was there. And then, and then Hagar came back. Then Hagar and Anthony left and did Chicken Foot with other people. And then, uh, what do we got here? Roth is back. And then Wolfgang is Eddie's kid who right. is on bass. I got to see them when they were the 2004, so they would have had the Sammy, Sammy, Michael, Eddie, and Alex. So, I saw so it would have been Van Hagar. If if you want to call it that, yes. I chose I'm the One, which is off of the Van Halen album. It's their first one. It's one of the first tracks, actually. I chose that because I know you care for David Lee Roth more than Van, Van Hagar, as it were. <laughs> so let's take a listen to I'm the One. 
Van Halen. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands, and I just enjoy this one because it's a real solid song. It's fast. It's not their mainstream song itself. While Running With The Devil, Jamie's Crying, and You Really Got Me kind of stole the show, I like this song better than the rest of them because it's really fast, precise guitar work, uh, which we expect to get from Eddie. Solid work with Michael on the bass, Alex on drums, and Dave's signature vocals make this song a classic to me. I didn't know the song. I didn't know it by I didn't know it by title, and I don't think I've ever heard the song before I got started on this. But the first thing that came through was when it hit and the vocals hit, and I went, "It's Diamond Dave." And I did that one for you. And and I appreciate that because it makes it a whole lot easier to say something nice. <laughs> like I like this song. I like I said I didn't, I'd never heard it before. But it's just a fun little song about showing your love, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. It's it's a standard David Lee Roth song, you know. Oh yeah. It's all about girls and and getting in their pants. I mean, really, that's what it's about. And it's, like like Dave really had a problem with that. He might now because he's got that. His hair is nasty now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this was a wonderful, refreshing, and fun song. It just took me back to that time period where music was just fun. It was fun and it was just rock. Yeah, it, it was, was just about having fun. It was about going out, getting drunk, getting laid, and, you know, making money doing it. There you go. I think that's why I like the 80s music so much. Because it was, for the most part, it, simple. Was, it was simple and fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, that's about all I got. So, if you guys want to reach out to us, let us know what you think of this episode or any of the other episodes you can do, that we do. You can do that simply by dropping us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're more into the social media thing, you can reach out to us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. Either way, we look forward to, to hearing from you. Let's end with the uh, trivia. With the trivia question. All right, we'll make this quick here. Now, question was, Steve Vai, besides being a master guitarist, is also an avid apiarist. What is that? Well, Google says. <laughs> no, um, apiarist. I don't know, but I'm going to say that he is a... <sighs> Dude, if you pick this one, I'm going to shit. <laughs> so am I. I have no idea. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a believer in the purity of apes. He's a beekeeper. Really? Yes. In fact, he actually talks to schools about, like, he's an expert beekeeper. He talks to schools about doing it. Really? So Amazing. He, so he's got an apiary, which is a, a bee house, basically. Excellent. All right. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.